Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I was doing a a uh, roping lesson this week with a with a really nice lady, and and we were we we're doing a lot of talking, maybe not quite as much roping, but a lot of visiting and and about things and. And she kind of asked me, you know, as we were, as I was instructing her, kind of what, what the most important thing to learn was when, when you're, when you're doctoring cattle or roping with other people. And, and uh, you know, obviously learning the skills is, is important and being able to rope. But, but I told her more important than that is, is the teamwork aspect of it. And Kevin and I were also talking about it. Um, when, when we do clinics and things like that, we really try to promote teamwork in, in, concept of working together and and the reason for that is is the the idea that um bless you the the idea that the sum of the whole on a team should be greater than the sum of its parts and so for example if 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 i if i have a hand by itself this hand can do some things uh but it's pretty limited on what it can do and and so the sum of this hand might be a five and then if i add my other hand it can do some things too by itself and it's worth a five but if I get my two hands together we can do way more than a five plus a five it's more than ten it, you know it's, it's a fifteen now that I got two hands and then if I put my feet and get those involved and and a brain imagine that imagine what we could do and a heart um, and so when, when we're talking about teamwork we, we have parts of a team but we want to be able to work in a, in a way that those parts add up to more than 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 just the sum of each of those parts, um, and that's the way that's the way Christ designed the church to actually be the body of Christ. And, and we can't have a body of Christ if we're missing parts. Okay, I don't know if the duodenum does anything. Does anybody know if that actually does anything? But that's probably me. Uh, um, but without that, the body doesn't function properly. And, and so teamwork is all about all the parts of the body functioning properly so that we can, we can actually be the, the full body of Christ and do, and do the work that, that God has asked us to. And it was pretty cool last weekend at that fundraiser because that's, to me, I think really the first time I've ever seen the full body of Christ uh, at work together. We had about 200 people all working together for, for one common goal. And the parts were working together. It wasn't this hand, you know, fighting against this hand. And, and uh, a lot of times in churches we see the body of Christ not getting along because we don't, we don't agree. And that's where you get denominations and division. And our way is the best way and your way isn't. And, and uh, so that's why I like Save the Cowboy because we're a, we're a ministry and we don't, we don't try to bring things in just so we can internalize everything and fight about it we, we try to take it out and, and have bigger goals in mind and it seems to work pretty well um i'm happy to announce that we're we're going to do our first um competition hosted by the long x ranch next saturday at the ranch in the arena we did one last year uh before we had the arena done this will be the first one hosted by us we had we did a competition a couple of weeks ago hosted by someone else where they just wanted to use our arena and cattle this one will be the first one in our Long X Arena, hosted by the Long X Ranch. It's a ranch roping competition, big loop roping. If you've never seen that uh, or have and still want to still watch paint dry, come on up and, and, and watch us rope. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a little different than a rodeo, uh, but you know there's plenty of fun racks and things to watch too. So um, you're welcome to come up and check that out if you, if you do want to come watch. Uh, and, and intend to, to stay and eat lunch or whatever, just kind of give me a heads up so we have a head count on food. Um, but the way the, way the, the competition is, is run is people rope on three-man teams, and here comes the teamwork aspect again. And uh, in this one, I intentionally set it up to where the teams are drawn. Um, you don't get to pick your teams. You get drawn, and you're, and you're thrown in with someone you might not have even ever met before. Uh, and most of the time haven't roped with very much, if at all. And so that's the whole idea with that is to, to promote people getting together with fellowship and 
learning about each other and and using teamwork to accomplish a goal. And I've been in these things before where, where you've had three really good ropers uh, get on the same team and everybody thinks that's the dream team and that they're going to just kick everybody's hiney. But a lot of times that doesn't work because you have three ropers trying to do their own thing and they don't mesh well together as a team and, and, and you, don't, you don't see the sum of the, the parts being more than the sum of the whole. And uh, so uh, the, the whole idea behind the, the draw is to see if we can get people to develop a camaraderie and a, and a teamwork aspect to their roping. And, uh, and it's, and it's going to be a little bit of a test. I think it's going to be fun, and, and uh, it'll give us an opportunity to, to practice what we preach, see if we can get ropers to, to come together, because if we can't do that, we can't get Christians to come together in, in one body. Um, <coughs> I always feel like I have an advantage when I'm roping, because everybody else is roping on a three-man team, and I'm roping on a four-man team. Because if you believe that the Holy Spirit is there, then the Holy Spirit is there. And he's on my team every single time. And a lot of times, weird things happen. Like, I'll throw a loop that shouldn't go on, and it does. Um, a lot of times the Holy Spirit will kind of correct me, too, when I when I start feeling like it's it's all about me and it's the tie show. Uh, He's pretty good at correcting and, and, and teaching us to be humble and, and teaching us to, to uh, trust in him. And, and man, I, I feel like, you know, I, I kind of was studying the Holy Trinity here a little bit this week and, and wondering why. Why does, why does God have to, why did God have to create three uh, uh, beings within one? I mean, God's all-powerful. God can do everything. Why, why would you need that? Why does he need a three-man team to, to accomplish what he wants? And, and, uh, and it's because the, the three-man team, the, the sum of the three equal more than the, than the, than the sum of the whole. He, he sent us Christ to be human, to show us how to be. The problem with Jesus is he couldn't be everywhere at once. So once he went back to heaven to be with his Father, at the right hand of his Father, they sent the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once and and he's here right now and he'll be here uh when he'll be with me when i'm roping he'll be with me everywhere i go if i if i truly believe in that so um marriage is a teamwork event it's a team event we can't we you know that that's one of the things kathy and i struggled with when we first were together we we were independent people and we were trying to create a marriage based on uh, she, she was doing her thing, I was doing mine, but we were never able to come together, and so we actually got divorced. And because we couldn't or wouldn't bring that third aspect in, which was the Holy Spirit, to, to, to create a team. And so we actually got divorced, and, and about a year later, she realized she couldn't live without me. <laughs> and <Happy birthday>. <laughs> <laughs> We all know the truth. I'm you everybody here knows knows who who the who the glue in my family is and that's her and and so once we went the second time around we we were a little better at it and, and uh making sure that that together we were greater than the sum of our parts and, and trying to make a, a team that is greater than than just what she could do by herself and what i could do by myself and i think that's how marriages should be, that's how families should be, that's how ministries should be, that's how any team, uh, sh what, what they should strive to be. Um, in Ephesians 1, it says, And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. I'm going to pray. <laughs> God, thank you so much for the moisture we received this week and, and hopefully are about to receive this afternoon. Uh, just ask that the Holy Spirit be with us always and, and that we can and we can truly add the Holy Spirit to our team and, and ask him to be there throughout all that we do. Just ask a blessing on this ministry and, and pray that we can all come together and, and that all of our parts will make one body. 
thank you so much for Kevin and his family and all that they do, and thank you so much for all the volunteers that, that help out here. And, and uh, I said we have the strength and courage to go out into this world, in this scary big world that, that seems like it's against us most of the time, and, and make a difference for you, Lord. Uh, just pray for all those that are sick and hurting, and anybody that doesn't know you, Jesus just asks that you fill their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Me and Ty are a little, a little slow, might need a little more coffee, but if we did that service, it'd only be 10 minutes because we'd have to pee. So uh, anyway, uh, welcome to Save the Cowboy. My name is Kevin Weatherby. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, we started this ministry about seven years ago, and it has been one crazy awesome, amazing, hard, lovely journey, and the best part about it is is y'all, and uh, especially watching y'all grow. Uh, I get to watch me grow all the time. Um, sometimes you can see it on my face, <laughs> how much I have to grow, and it's been fun watching Ty and Kathy grow, and, 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 and then all, all the rest of you also. It's, it, it is a it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, Save the Cowboys, a sick pin for sinners, not a show ring for saints, okay? We're not here to patty, pat ourselves on the back. We're here to grow together, all right? You know, um, uh, me, and, me and Ty had a, had a long talk, you know, uh, the other day driving down the road uh, uh, about uh, the effect of sin and, you know, uh, some some churches out there, or I, I should say some religious organizations out there, you know, I mean, if you don't do things right, they kick you out. Okay, well, you know, I mean, if we're going to start kicking people out for sin, then we all better just go on to Patty Ann's. All right? Now, that's not a license to do it. it should, sin should break our hearts, you know, knowing that it's our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross and the blood that he shed uh, should have been our blood. So this is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints. We have a uh, threefold, as you can see behind me, where we gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. We didn't say that. God did in Ezekiel thirty-four sixteen. Read it. It's cool. And then we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we go out and make disciples of all men and all nations. It's not us that does it. It's God. So anyway, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We are in part 2 of part 3 of about a seven-part, yeah, that's the way my brain works, uh, series. Uh, we, we've been talking about being dauntless, okay? Dauntless, according to Merriam-Webster, is defined as incapable. I like that word, incapable of being intimidated or subdued. That's what dauntless is. And in part one, we talked about a dauntless life, okay? A life that is incapable of being intimidated or subdued. And, 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 and which of us out there would like to, would say, that don't sound like me. I'd love to be intimidated and I want to be subdued. It, nobody says that, okay? So we talked about how to live a dauntless life in part one. In part two, we talked about our dauntless duty, uh, of how we can accomplish those things that will fulfill us, those things that bring our lives meaning, those things that bring us purpose. We talked about dauntless duty. And then last week, we started a... a it was just too much to get into one part. Uh, we started talking about a dauntless marriage. Now, now we, we will be talking about marriage, but, they, but it extends, and we'll talk about it next week. It extends to all forms of relationship because that's what marriage is. It's a relationship. So um, these uh, qualities that we start talking about in marriage, maybe you're not married right now, or maybe you were married, or or whatever your situation is, we can apply those to different aspects with our kids, with our friends, uh, you know, in, in all aspects, there's a, a relationship that God intended that we broke, and then we suffer the consequences, but he also gives us a cure, 
Okay, so last week we started talking about a dauntless marriage, and we talked about in Ephesians chapter 5 how we be imitators of God and that we must refrain from all sorts of sexual immorality and greed and, and impure living, and, and we worked our way down, and those were the individual responsibilities because when we, talk, when we start talking about like stuff like sexual immorality and greed and, and impure, man, the first thing the old devil does is, man, you know somebody like that, don't you? But that's not what Paul was talking about. He was talking to you. He was talking to me. It's a personal responsibility. You can't control somebody else. You're only in control of you. So he starts off with kind of a list form uh, of how to, once again, how to set up that dauntless marriage. Now, it doesn't sound like he's talking about marriage. It's just kind of about Christian living. But at the same time, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Okay? So, so, you know, you need to be doing your part. Your wife needs to be doing her part. You mind your part. She'll mind her part. And when both of those things function together... Man, it starts becoming something beautiful. And then we got to the point where we talked about one of the most contentious verses in the entire Bible. One of those verses that just certain people, like 95% of certain people just cringe when this Bible verse is overused, misunderstood, blah, blah, blah. And that is Ephesians 5.22, when all of a sudden Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. And we talked about that, of how God actually made a wife to want to submit. Okay? Now, if you weren't here last week, you're probably going, oh yeah, I'm glad I missed that crap. You know, but listen to me. Ephesians 5.22 says... Wives, submit to your husbands, because in Ephesians 5.21, he says, submit to each other out of your reverence for Christ. Okay, think about this, and this is kind of a replay for all of y'all that were here the last week, but Paul says, submit to each other. Of course he said, wives, submit to your husbands. He just got through saying, submit to each other. Now, we do that submission in different ways, okay? He's going to say, submit to each other, wives, submit to your husbands. He's not going to say, submit to each other. Wives, I was just kidding. Y'all don't have to do that, okay? He's, he, he, he starts off with both, and then he starts separating it. Wives, submit to your husbands. And then he says, husbands, love your wives. Love is the greatest act of submission. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, where he gave himself up for her to present her as pure and holy and blameless. Love is the greatest act of submission. And I went through a whole thing, and you should go back and, 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 and listen to it. You can go to savethecowboy.com, click on previous clinics, watch uh, Dauntless Part 3. Okay, and you'll see how I asked a series of questions about a woman. What would you do for a man that and I went through a bunch of things and I've probably asked 200 different women this these series of questions. And when I got done, I asked them, I said, now, what would you do for a man like that? And ninety nine point nine percent of them have all said the same thing. Anything. Because that's the result of a husband that loves his wife like Christ loves the church. Husbands, you want your wives to submit to them? Then love them like Christ loved the church. As a matter of fact, you are the head of the household. We talked about that. That doesn't mean that you get to make all the decisions and your way is, is the only way and everybody's, you know, you're supposed to rattle your tea glass. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It means you be the initiator. You be the man. You love your wife as much as Christ loved the church. But then we talked about, man, that sounds so good. That sounds great, man. I, I want that. You know, I want that, that type of marriage that God calls holy, that, that lives in harmony. And, and that, you know, maybe I'm not even married anymore. I've never been married. But if I was, that's the type of, of, of life that I'd want to lead. It sounds easy, but it's not. Why? Yesterday, I was at a wedding. And we were 
uh, we had just got through the ceremony, and we went down the hill to park. It was at Younger Ranch again, been there two weeks in a row. Love that place. And, and we're sitting in the car, and I'm, it was kind of warm yesterday, so I'm drinking some Gatorade before we walk over to the reception. And, and my wife says, hey, something funny happened this morning. I said, what? She said, I was, uh, my, my wife loves like psychology and, and the way the brain works. She probably knows what a do, a do, do whatever you said was. And so uh, anyway, she, she's fascinated by that. And, and so she said, I was looking at different personality types and I saw one that kind of described you. And I was like, uh-oh. And I said, I said, let me guess. It said, handsome caring, grand. She goes, no. But she said, so I read it, and then it said, these are the occupations or, or qualities that this personality type exhibits. And she said, the first one was salesman. Now, <laughs> I was in oil field sales. I was, I was the number three salesman in the nation for Cellular One before they were bought out by Verizon or Altel or whoever it was, you know. And, and so I was a pretty good salesman in the oil field and, and, and cell phones. And so I started laughing. She said, the first one was salesman. She said, the second one is daredevil. And, and it's funny, every single time, I walk out of the house. She says, don't do something stupid. <laughs> and, and, and I don't think you can be a cowboy and uphold that. So I never promise. I'll just say, well, I'll do my best. <laughs> and, and usually I come home and she says, what happened? <laughs> Nothing today. It all, went, it, it all went as planned. That happens very rarely, by the way. Uh, so she said that, that my personality type usually results in, in these occupations or qualities. Number one, salesman. Number two, daredevil. Number three, law enforcement. I spent seven years as a correctional officer in the, uh, in the prison system in Texas. I, I was wearing gray, not white. And, uh, but as the inmates used to say, the only difference in the correctional officers and the inmates was the color of their uniforms. And that wasn't far from the truth sometimes. So, so salesman, daredevil, law enforcement, and preacher. I kid you not. She's, she's like, I was doomed from the start. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that just reminded me that, that, that God has imbued us with certain qualities. Now, now our personalities vary. Ty talked about the body of Christ. We, we do things so differently. But God created Two people in the very beginning. He created man and he created woman. And to each of those, now you think about this. God is not a man, okay? God is not a woman. God is a spirit. The Bible says that God is love, all right? But the Bible also says that man and woman were created in the image of God. So God gave us... Certain qualities, uh, and there, there's a fancy word for it that's in theology, and, and it's like impunable qualities. He did not give us his omnipotence, okay, uh, of knowing all things, or omniscient, uh, knowing all things, and, and being able to, as Ty said, be everywhere at the same time, okay? Those are, he didn't give us those things, but he still gave us qualities based upon who he was. And, and he separated it. That does not mean that we can't, that we don't have some to a degree. We are talking in generalizations here. I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm trying to make a point. To man, he gave justice. You know, you, you think about the, uh, one, one of the most famous uh, movies ever, Lonesome Dove, when Jake Spoon starts running with the wrong people. Man, he, he was good friends with, with, with uh, Gus and, and Woodrow, right? But when, when Jake Spoon stepped over the end of the line, and even though he didn't kill those people, he was with those, he was hung like everybody else because God wants justice, and, and he kind of imbued that into men is the need for justice. But on the other hand, God also loves mercy. 
And and if we were to characterize, instead of stereotype, but just characterize, women are imbued with the mercy aspect. To man, he gave strength, okay? Now, that does not mean that woman... Women cannot be strong. That's not what I'm saying. But the males, the men, are typically bigger. They're typically stronger. To, to uh, men, he gave strength. But to woman, he gave beauty. He gave his beauty. Now, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something right here. And, and I know that some of you are going to just kind of, uh, but, but I want you to put away any childish thoughts or anything like that. It was said one time that God put his beauty into woman and an old philosopher says that a naked woman's body is probably too much for a man to behold. And that's probably true because, you know, and that can, that can be used for such lovely things. Such, to, to see that, that image of God, to see a, a physical representation of a small part of his beauty. And, and the devil just perverts that and, and does such bad things with it. But when we, when we bring it down to what God created, he, he made man with justice. He made a woman with mercy. He gave strength to the man. He gave beauty to the woman. He gave protection. The need to protect, to defend his home, to defend his country is a man. And I'm not saying that women can't do that, but you know, generally, characteristically speaking, protection. But to the woman, he gave nurture. Some other qualities uh, uh, of the same thing is, is uh, to man, he gave authority. To woman, he gave his life-giving ability. Now, I know it takes two to make a life, but it's the woman who brings it forth. Think about this. A man cannot feed a baby out of his own body like a woman can. A woman breathes life into a baby. He gave, God created man and woman both in his image. And I'm not going to say that he divided it down the middle, but he kind of just separated it a little bit like the oceans in the air. There is some air in the ocean and there's some water in the air. And I understand that. But he made us both in the image of God. In his book, Growth into Manhood, Alan Mettinger writes, the masculine can only be understood in relation to the feminine. One gives meaning to the other. Masculinity gives meaning to femininity. I've been working on that. I was a little worried about that one. And the feminine gives meaning to the masculine. And man, when those things start getting way, way too crossed, things start happening. Robert Siegel Another Christian author said, masculine and feminine can be understood only in terms of each other because basically they are opposite yet complementary. They are two extremes on a continuum. Ty talked about it. You know, he got one hand. He can do a lot with one hand, but what can you do with two? This is a summary of other things that Robert Siegel said. I have said these same things, and it's the difference in a, you know me building a Lego house and, and somebody building uh, the Taj Mahal. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the Taj Mahal version instead of my Lego version because I like the way this is said. The masculine is that which is outer directed. The man is outer directed. The feminine is that which is inner directed. The masculine faces the world. It is oriented to things. It explores. It climbs. Its energy is directed toward the physical, measuring, moving, building, conquering. The feminine looks inward toward feeling, sensing, knowing in the deepest sense. Its energy is directed toward relationships, coming together, nurturing, helping. We need both of those. We need the explorers. We need the builders. But we need the nurturing and we need the deep knowing. The second thing that he says is the essence of masculinity is initiation. And the essence of femininity is response. 
Herein we can see why God the Father has revealed himself, first of all, in masculine terms. He is the ultimate initiator. All things come from him. He is the Alpha. In our relationship with the Son, Jesus is always the bridegroom and we are the bride. We must be the bride. It is never the other way around. God initiates his love. That's the masculine quality. The feminine responds to it. Just like we said, submit to each other out of your reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Respond to husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. You see how they are interconnected. The man initiates it. The woman responds. Masculine, masculine authority with feminine power. To understand authority and the masculine, we again look to God. God is the ultimate authority. He is also, which is the masculine part, he is also the source and sustainer of life, which is the feminine part. He holds us in his hand and sustains our lives day by day. Now, I know that that's kind of hard to understand that the male, the masculine is the authority and, and, and the feminine is the power, but I think of it as a cowboy and a horse. You know, if me, me and Ty are going to go out tomorrow and we're going to gather some cattle and we're going to use our horses, and, and, and it's hopefully it's not going to be that big of a deal. We've done it thousands of times. But have you ever tried to do it on foot in a big pasture? It's nearly impossible. The cowboy is the authority, but the horse is the power. Okay? You take the horse away. I, you know, I, I've seen people, you know, a rope get away from something and somebody go try to grab that rope. A horse can sit there and hold a big old... 600, 700-pound yearling with very little trouble. You wrap that around your wrist and see what happens. Okay, it's going to drag you all over the place. The masculine is the authority, but the feminine is the power. Masculine is justice. Feminine is mercy. The masculine say, stop it. I knew it was going to come from somewhere. I didn't think it was going to be the front row. Right. Well, actually, I thought he was going to be making another joke about the other way around, okay? So, <laughs> uh, masculine is the, is the justice, feminine is the mercy, and we already talked about the lonesome dove illustration in that. Uh, uh, masculine is the body, feminine is the heart. Masculine is the body, feminine is the heart. All of that is said in Genesis chapter 3 where God created everything and, and he made the birds and the animals and the air and the water and the land and, and blah, blah, blah. And then he made man in his image and then, he, and then he created woman also in his image. Okay? And then everything was perfect and God said, man, Adam, everything in here belongs to you. And you have a helper called your wife whom you will love. He named all the animals, and God said, you can have anything in here. But there was two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, everything is yours, but don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is knowing sin. The tree of life gave eternal life. He didn't say you couldn't eat off the tree of life. But the devil walked in one day, and he said, hey, they were standing over by the trees, and the devil says to Eve, he says, Hey, did God really say not to eat this? She said, Yeah. He said, eh, Why? She said, Well, he said that if we would eat it, we would surely die. And he goes, Oh, you won't die. You'll just be like God. You will know the wisdom of God. And she saw the fruit and saw that it looked good. So she took the fruit, and she ate it, and she gave some to Adam, who was standing right there. He wasn't off at work. Okay, he wasn't playing golf when all of this happened. He was standing right there, heard all of the conversation, kept his mouth shut. His wife reaches up and, and grabs it because she's now filled with doubt that, that somehow God is holding something back from her. And maybe he was holding something back from her. He was protecting her. He was protecting them. He said, you can have everything. Just don't eat this or you will surely die. She eats it. She gives some to Adam. Now, I gave the illustration last week, and I, and I won't call him up again, but I, I, I called Ty up right here, and I said, Ty, if the devil put a gun to your head and, and, and said, Ty, bow down and worship me, or I'm going to pull the trigger, what would you say? And he said, pull the trigger. But that's not what happened in the Garden of Eden. What happened in the Garden of Eden 
is that Adam and Eve were standing there and the devil looks at Adam and says, bow down and worship me or I'm going to pull the trigger. But this time, the gun is pointed at Eve. It's not such an easy thing anymore because remember, Adam loved his wife. We could sacrifice ourselves for her, but, but we don't want to sacrifice her for ourselves. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden because the devil didn't go after the body. He went after the heart. You can cut your arm off and still live. You can actually be in a brain-dead coma, no, no electrical response in your brain, but if your heart is still beating, you're technically still alive. He didn't go after the body. He didn't go after Adam. He went after Eve because just because he was able to take something from the body doesn't mean that the marriage dies. But yet if he went after the heart and was able to get her, then he gets both of them. Remember that the man is authority. The woman is the power. So he goes after them and, and, and they, they eat it and their eyes are opened. Eve eats the fruit, gives some to Adam. Sin enters the world. Their eyes are open to the knowledge of good and evil. But who is at fault? Who's at fault? Was it Eve? No, it was Adam. Because the, 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 Bible, the Bible clearly states in Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. Think about that. It was not Eve that sinned by eating the fruit because God told Adam not to eat the fruit and then he passed it along to Eve. He said, God told us not to eat that, right? But the directive, the command was from God to the authority, from God to man. Sin entered the world when Adam ate the fruit, not Eve. So no, Eve is not to blame for all of that deal like, like society and like biblical people will tell you. And like some of you women might have heard that, well, you know, Eve ruined it for us all. No, she did not. No, she didn't. Sin in, in Romans 5, 12, it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam disobeyed God. Eve just merely disobeyed Adam. Okay. Now, I know that that's a slippery slope right there. But God had given Adam the authority in the garden. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sins. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 21, Paul says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, through Adam, not through Eve, through Adam, he was the authority. So what, so what happened? What happened after that? In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 6, I usually don't read long passages of the Bible, but I'm going to read about seven verses. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Bam! There was the sin right then. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? <laughs> you ever ask your kid, you know, <laughs> there, there, there's uh, crayon marks all over his bedroom wall, and you say, who did this? You, you know the answer. You're just wanting to see if he says it or she says it, right? That's the same deal. God knew where they were. His real question is, why are you hiding from me? Okay? So the Lord God said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Fess up. I already know what you did. Fess up. And like good children do, the man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Not my fault. It's her fault. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. So, so here, here's five results of sin. Immediately, see if they're not still true today. Number one, 
shame at their nakedness. More importantly, shame of who we really are. We're scared to show people our true selves because we don't think that we might measure up or that we think that we're ugly or, or whatever. The nakedness is just, a, is just a way of saying of who we truly are. Shame entered the world with sin. And we've never been able to get rid of it. We're not pretty enough. We're not big enough. We're not buff enough. We're not smart enough. We're too skinny. We're too fat. We're too ugly. We're, well, I don't guess people say we're too pretty. Um, not unless it's vain. But shame at their nakedness, number one. Number two, they covered themselves. They hid from God, number three. Number four, they blamed someone else for what they did. And number five, they made excuses. Now, let me ask you, is that not prevalent in today's society? Shame? We hide from ourselves. We hide ourselves. We hide from God. We blame other people and make excuses. That is the result of sin. Wouldn't it be nice that if we felt no shame, that we could be proverbially, whatever that was, proverbially, naked in front of people without any shame, without any, without any hiding our, our true selves from God or from others. And, and then we hide from God because we, we think that if we hide our sin that he won't know it. But he says, where are you? He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. But yet we hide from God. and We blame others. And then we make excuses why it's not our fault. The results of sin. And then enters the curses. Because when you... Don't do what God says. There's consequences. The consequences of Adam's disobedience and the devil's deception. The consequences, God laid down three things, or three people, the devil, the man, and the woman. To the devil, he said, he, he, uh, he lowered him below man. He said, cursed are you above all creatures where you will slither on the ground. He said, you know, the devil used to be, the highest and most beautiful angel in the world, but then God lowered him below even man. And then he made him enemies with man, with man prevailing. He said, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. That was a foreshadowing of the confrontation, the end confrontation that the devil will constantly be striking at, at Jesus, and he may strike his heel on the cross, but Jesus would crush him in the end. Read your Bibles. It talks about it in the last book. So that was the curse of Satan. To the man, in verse 17, he said, Because you listened to your wife. There's two things here. Two things. Number one, you listened to your wife instead of to me. Men, you listened to God. You are the head of the household. That means you lead your family down the path of righteousness. And the path of righteousness is found in what God says, not what your wife says. And I know that that's hard to hear sometimes. And I'm not saying that you should not take her counsel. I'm not saying anything. But you listen to God. And it also says because you listened to your wife. A lot of people said, well, you know, were they really married? I mean, they were man and woman. God says it right there, because you listen to your wife, two things happen. All your life, you will struggle. I mean, Adam never had to do anything, man. He walked around naked, eating fruit and naming animals and doing whatever you do in perfection, right? Man, you talk about the life. He didn't have to get up and go to work, kiss Eve goodbye. Well, I got to go to the office today. <laughs> man, it was the office. It was perfection. But God says, no more, man. You ain't got the easy way, man. You traded the easy, and now you, you suffer the consequences. You couldn't handle the easy, so let's see how you do with the struggle. I'm going to take all the ease out of it. All your life you will struggle, says that in verse 18, chapter 3, Genesis. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat. You'll struggle, and by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat. To the woman, he says, I will multiply your pain in childbirth. That's in verse 16. And also in verse 16 is the second part of the consequence of Eve. Now, I don't know what Bibles you're looking at. I don't know what Bibles you have at home. 
but I have this really, really high-powered, expensive program that, that shows you the Hebrew and the actual meaning of words, and then it gives the different translations and their probability of the way they translate something to the actual meaning. Now, a lot of Bibles say your desire will be for your husband. That, that's kind of how most of them say it. Now, is that, is that sound like a consequence? But the New Living Translation, however, has an 89% accuracy. And it's only found in the New Living Translation in this wording. First consequence of Eve disobeying God was to multiply chain in, uh, chain in childbirth. Pain in childbirth. The second is this. Your desire will be to control your husband. Let me give you a summary of nearly every stinking marital problem. Here it is. It's a result of the consequences of their disobedience for God. The husband. Here's what the husband says. You can fill in any problem, any discussion, any topic of fighting, whatever. And here's usually the end result in it. Don't you see how hard I work? Don't you see what I do for this family? Don't you see how much I struggle and toil and bust my butt every single day? And here's what the woman says. You're an idiot. The consequence, you will struggle all the days of your life. By the sweat of your brow, you will toil. You will never get out of it what you put into it. Woman, I will multiply your pain in childbirth. And your desire be to tell your husband what to do. That's tough stuff. Woman, you are the power, but you're not the authority. And if man, if you are in authority, you are looking to God. And, and, and I'm not saying that you don't, like I said, I'm not saying you don't take your counsel, take wise counsel from your wife, but you listen to God. When God says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it. In this instance, when it comes to obeying God, guys, do what God says, not what she says. And ladies, I can guarantee you, he's not going to get it right every single time. Men, you can bless the marriage by doing what God says, not what you want to do. You do things the way God says to do them. When you love your wife as Christ loved the church, guess what? Man, she'll nearly do anything for you as long as it's level playing field, I guess you should say. And then there's a cure. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So they messed up. They disobeyed God. They messed up. They hid. They made excuses. They blamed. They did all of this. God gives them the consequences of their action. And what's the very first thing that God does after that? He starts taking care of them. But there's a key thing in here. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins. For Adam and his wife. Why? Fig leaves can't cover up sin. You know what the only thing? Where did he get the animal skins? Did the lion walk up and just. Here you go. Try that on. See if it fits. 42 regular right there. Something had to die to cover up sin. Fig leaves wouldn't do it. Something had to die. Think about Cain and Abel. Cain brought some wheat as an offering. Abel brought an animal, right? The best of his flock. Something has to die to cover up our nakedness. Something has to die to cover up our shame. Something has to die for us to stop making excuses. Something has to die for all of those things. And the very first thing God did is he initiated trying to make them right. A sacrifice. Clothing them in the blood of something else. With every poison, there's an antidote. The antidote is our view and application of right relationship between man and woman. They are complete opposites, yet they cannot survive without the other. They are, you know, if I was to throw a rope over one of these rafters and man and woman start climbing up it, the only way they succeed is by working together because if one gives up and lets go, what happens to the other? The other falls. There is a way that God made it to be. One that is the authority 
The other is the power. One is the justice. The other is the mercy. One is the strength. The other is the beauty. You cannot take half of that away or try to to be two people at once and make it work. So we go back to Ephesians chapter 5. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. We talked about all of this stuff, and then we went back to Genesis. We explained how everything went wrong, and now we go back to Ephesians chapter 5 to figure out how to make it right, because for every poison, there's an antidote. For every consequence, grace can cover it. Submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. Use your complementary gifts that you were made in the image of God with for mutual edification where you work together. Because when you, what happens when you take the justice and the strength and the protection of man and you couple it with the mercy and the beauty and the nurturing of, of, of woman, you put those two things together, you have nearly, nearly a complete image of God. The attributes that God gave man, the attributes God gave woman, put those two things together. It's the image of God. No wonder marriage is so holy to God. It's his image on earth. Why does God say stay away from sexual immorality and pureness and, and lewdness and lust after something else, someone else? He gave us the Garden of Eden in marriage, and we constantly want to look beyond for something more because the devil says, did God really say? Because there's some good stuff out there. No, there's not. The good stuff is between man and woman in holy marriage, not outside of marriage. But yet we, we want all of the good stuff without doing it God's way, and then we wonder why our lives and our marriages are in shambles. Submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Sounds easy, huh? Well, it's not. Next week, I will share a very, very, very personal story about my relationship with my wife, a story of pain and deception, heartache and joy, sickness and healing. I will also share how God showed me the devastating effects of sin in a marriage and the curse that came from doing things my way instead of God's way. And I will also share how it ended from a vision with a vision from God on how you men should really, really, really love your wives. Men, you come back here next week, and it will change your life just as it changed mine. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, you always initiate healing, covering, and the way back to you. I know there are marriages that are falling apart or on the brink of disaster, and I pray that those that are hurting have heard your message, your hard message of why it happens. I pray that all will come back next week to hear how relationships can not only thrive, but become dauntless, incapable of being intimidated or subdued. God, may we lean on you and the presence of the Holy Spirit by the grace that was given to us by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch Cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our Cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the Cowboy gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.